You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is December 28th, 2018, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about skateboarding. Now, as uh, you might recall, if you're a long-time listener, I record the show on my Commodore 64, and it takes a few minutes to transfer the recording from my Commodore over to my PC before I can send it to you. So uh, while the podcast is transferring over, we have a few minutes to chat during this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Well, hello. Welcome back, everyone. And I hope uh, everyone listening had a Merry Christmas. Uh, if you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you had a happy Hanukkah or just a merry holiday season, I suppose. If you have not been keeping up with my life through Facebook or Twitter or whatever, uh, I have moved. We purchased a new house. And this is the first episode of You Don't Know Flack that is being recorded at the new house. Now, I can tell you that the new house has an amazing echo in every single room that I have attempted to record in. Uh, There's nothing on the walls, and there's high ceilings, and the walls are all flat and hard. And uh, so I got a feeling there's going to be some reverb or echo in the background of this episode. I'll do what I can with the old digital editing tools, but if it sounds a little different than previous episodes, that might be uh, what you're hearing. But I have hooked up the pod cart. I've wheeled it into the new... Uh, everything's a mess. Like, everything's in a different room. I can't find half my stuff. Uh, I actually upgraded the laptop that I record. You don't know flack on. Everything's different. <laughs> everything's different. Isn't that fun? Um... And another exciting thing is we have not sold our old house. So we we moved, um, if you drew a line on Google Maps, it's less than a mile uh, between the old house and the new house. The new house is smaller uh, if you go by square footage, but the yard is much larger. So it's kind of a trade-off. It's also in the school district uh, that my kids go to school in. We've been transferring the kids into uh, school district all this time, and it seems like that might be coming to an end, so we needed to move uh, a little bit closer, even though it's less than a mile, a little bit closer to where the kids go to school. So uh, we're still unpacking. We're still getting used to things. We're still, um, you know, in the middle of the night when you get up, I half the time I turn the wrong way when I'm going to the restroom. I, uh, so all those weird things when you live in a new house. We're still going through all those. All my shelves are empty. All my Star Wars things are in storage. All my toys are in storage. This room that I'm recording in right now has a flat screen television, uh, my movie theater chairs, and a pod cart. (laughs) That's what's in this big room right now. 
So eventually we'll get everything unpacked and, and we'll get uh, all our stuff back where it's supposed to go. But right now, everything is uh, a little bit in shambles. I want to remind everyone that if you want to find all of my podcasts, including this one, you can find them at podcast.roboherra.com. Uh, you can also, I've got a new site. Oh, I, let me talk about, uh, that site f- just for a split second. Uh, it runs on WordPress, of course, and I just changed the theme recently. It's a little bit more streamlined, should be able to find things a little bit easier. So if you're looking for, uh, any of my shows, Sprite Castle or Multiple Sadness, or possibly a new show that might be in the works here in the next month or so. Uh, you'll be able to find all those things at podcast.robohair.com. So go check that out. Uh, I also, during my break, started a new website called O'Hara Press, my last name, O-H-A-R-A, press.com. And that's where I'm going to be blogging about the books that I'm writing. I just had a new book released on Amazon. It's called The Human Library. Uh, it's available on Kindle. For $2.99 if you like to read Kindle ebooks, or it is available as a paperback for $14.99, I think. It's the same price as all my other books. Uh, but you can find either the paperback or the ebook both on Amazon. But uh, on O'HaraPress.com, that's where I'm going to be talking about the things that I'm writing, the books I'm writing, and uh, any other projects that I have going on, and also talking about writing. So if you're into writing, and again, dropping a little hint, there could be a future podcast in the works about writing, uh, but uh, O'HaraPress.com is a place to get that. And then, of course, if you want to follow me, what's going on in my life, stories, anything that I'm up to, you can always find that at RobOhara.com. I like saying my name a lot. <laughs> RobOhara.com, O'HaraPress.com, and podcast. RobOhara.com. So any uh, combination of my first name and last name and some word and .com <laughs> apparently is where all my stuff is. Uh, anyway, if you have feedback about this episode or any other episode of my shows in general, you can email your feedback to me at RobOhara at RobOhara.com. There it is again. Uh, you can drop me a message on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RobCasts. That is the Facebook home for all my podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Commodork. Or you can leave me a voice message on my podcast hotline at area code 405-486-YDKF. And with that, let's get started talking about skateboarding. So as you're probably aware, computers were a large portion of my life growing up. Uh, I started with the TRS-80. I've talked about the Apple II. I've talked about the Commodore 64, which took up a large portion of my teenage years. And then, of course, moving uh, eventually to the PC. Um, but there were three fads that, when I think of, of my childhood, I think of three fads uh, that I got really into. And the first was uh, breakdancing. And I've done an episode about breakdancing. Uh, and the second one was ninjas. And I've also done an episode about ninjas, uh, you know, and, and these are the things that when I got into them, I got into them for like, I'm not talking like a week. I'm talking about months or years, you know, um, you know, when I got into breakdancing, I bought breakdancing clothes. I listened to breakdancing music. I practiced breakdancing. I watched breakdancing movies. I mean, it was all encompassing. Like I was all in. 
And then that got replaced uh, a few years later, like I said, by ninjas and ninja movies and dressing up in and ninja outfits and going out on <laughs> secret ninja missions I would set up. All these things, again, I've talked about on the show or previous episodes. Uh, but the third, I guess the trifecta to complete my teenage trifecta of fads was skateboarding. Um, I, I just got, I really got hooked by skateboarding. And uh, it was just a huge part of my life. It's one of those things that came on uh, out of the blue, it seems like. And I was big into for several years. And like all these other things, eventually tapered off and, and I moved on to something else. Uh, so the first skateboard that I ever owned was literally uh, a piece of wood with metal roller skate wheels nailed to it <laughs> uh, that my dad made for me. I don't remember this skateboard, but I have some pictures of me riding it when I was probably three years old. Um, there's a picture of me on this skateboard with several other, you know, three and four year old kids from my old neighborhood. And we're all hanging out on different vehicles, tricycles and uh, big wheels, you know, and I'm on this skateboard. So that was the first skateboard I ever owned, but we moved to the house I grew up in, in Sun Valley, uh, the summer that I turned five years old. And I don't remember having that skateboard with me once I got to the new house. I think, uh, you know, at some point that skateboard, it, maybe it didn't even make the move. I don't remember. But my neighbors across the street were the Roarks. Uh, there were four boys, Matt, Mitch, Mike, and Mark, and... Um, uh, Mitchell was the youngest. He was a year younger than I am. And then Matt was a year older than I am. So I was friends with both uh, Matt and Mitch. And they had uh, these plastic skateboards. So mine was, you know, the old one that I had was wood and probably not even, uh, you know, any kind of special wood. Like you probably get splinters or something, you know, from writing uh, it if you wrote it barefoot. But they had uh, those popular 70s skinny um they were kind of banana shaped i guess but the back had a tail that came up in the back uh i remember they were orange and they had red wheels and um they they must have had matching ones because i remember riding skateboards either you know like me and mitchell uh, would ride them or i would ride with matt so i was probably borrowing one of their their skateboards um their house had a back porch and a front porch, um, and then a sidewalk that went all the way around the house, like from the back porch all the way up to the driveway, and then the front porch connected. So you could ride a skateboard from the back porch all the way to the front porch. And I remember doing that. That would be like a challenge. Like, could you get from one to the other without touching the ground? Uh, so you would, you know, use, uh, you could push <laughs> from one porch to the other, uh, and try to coast all the way around. You could use your hands. I remember there was a, a little uh, skinny part that you had to squeeze past the air conditioner. But uh, um, but yeah, I remember I remember uh, us doing that. You know, now again, this is not uh, this is not the skateboarding of the '80s. The skateboarding that I fell in love with. But uh, you know, maybe it, maybe it planted a seed. Maybe it was uh, uh, you know. How would how would you know? In the 70s, all kids had little skateboards. How would you know uh, what a huge thing skateboarding would uh, become later in the 80s? Now, um, 
skateboarding, you you have to, if you weren't there, if, if you're younger than I am and you didn't live through the 80s, you might not remember that uh, prior to the mid-80s, there was no skateboarding. Skateboarding was an old thing that people did in the 70s, uh, or maybe little kids had skateboards that they got from a garage sale or something. But skateboarding was not a sport. Skateboarding was not a thing that people talked about. Like, you didn't say, hey, we're going to go skating. Nobody did that. That was not a thing. Uh, if you said to someone in you know that time, hey, we're going to go skating, I would think you were going to go roller skating. I certainly would not assume that you were going to go, uh, you know, ride skateboards or something. Uh, but then 1986 came along, and there were several things in 1986 uh, that happened that really brought skating to the masses. The first one I have to talk about is the movie Thrashing. Now, before I talk about Thrashing and before I talk about uh, 1986, I have to say this. I think there is a hmm, a tendency for retro enthusiasts to look up things like movies, like Thrashing, and look at what date they come out, 1986, and then use that to date their memories. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't ever remember... I know I did not see Thrashing in movie theaters. I don't remember Thrashing ever being in movie theaters. Uh, I, a friend of mine had it on tape, and we watched it at his house. And if it was, I mean, it was a, a copied tape, which means he either taped it off at HBO or something uh, or had rented it, So, which means it had already made it to home video. So my point is, is that when I talk about Thrashing being 1986, I probably didn't see it until 1987. But regardless, uh, Thrashing was released in 1986. It was the first um, Hollywood level, you know what I mean? Like big budget skateboarding movie that I remember seeing. starred Josh Brolin uh, as Corey Webster. Josh Brolin was the oldest. Uh, he was Mikey's older brother in uh, uh, Goonies. He was Bran. Uh, and then the, the main bad guy was Robert Rustler, who was one of the two bad guys in Weird Science. Uh, so, uh, you know, and then everybody, not everybody else, but most of the other people that were in that movie were um, professional skateboarders. So I don't think I knew it at the time, you know, but, but um, you know, Tony Alva was in that movie. Christian Hosoy is in that movie. Um, Mark Munsky, who they called Monk <laughs> in the movie. Uh, and then uh, one of the girls who I would not come to recognize many, many years later was uh, Sherilyn Finn, uh, plays one of the uh, the the groupies of the the daggers. That's the the group of bad skateboarders as the daggers. Um, and Sherilyn Finn uh, would go on later to become famous through Twin Peaks. 
but anyway, so 1986, we get thrashing, um, and it was another thing you have to realize here is that I grew up in central Oklahoma. Uh, I think we had cable television. I mean, I know that we had the movie channels, we had HBO and stuff. Uh, and, and before we had cable, we had satellite television, but even then there were these huge fads that would start. I always say, I describe them as starting on the coasts, right? Like you had fads that started in New York and fads that started in California, and then they would slowly work their way to the Midwest. So we were the last people to find out about things. So that's why I'm saying, you know, I, I'm sure I didn't see thrashing, you know, the weekend it came out, I probably didn't see it for a year after it came out. I mean, it took a while for these things to reach us. But when I did, oh man, it was so cool. It was like, this is what skateboarding is like in California. You know, there are just ramps everywhere. Everybody has a, a half pipe ramp in their backyard and there are gangs of skaters. And of course, um, and I'll talk about this a little bit later on, but it also introduced me to some of the music. Uh, that, you know, I mean, you'd listen to the soundtrack thrashing is where, uh, the first place that I ever heard of, and the first people are the first place that a lot of people ever heard of the red hot chili peppers. They make an appearance in the movie and they play, um, uh, black eyed blonde, I think is what it is. Um, in, in a uh, club scene, but yeah, it was like this indoctrination to the entire skateboarding scene all at once. Right. Um, now, also in 1986 was the release of 720. Now, I have done an entire podcast about 720. It's one of my favorite arcade games of all time. It's a, a skateboarding game, and you you know it has this unique joystick and a unique cabinet, and and uh, it's where the term skate or die probably it may may not have been uh, the one who invented it, but that's the one that introduced it. Uh, into, um, you know, common vernacular, like kids played 720 and then they would go skate or die, man. Uh, that's definitely the first place I ever heard <laughs> the term, uh, skate or die. But, um, so this was all 1986. Now I, again, I don't, I can't place playing skate or die until probably 88, uh, 88 or maybe even 89 might've been the first time. Uh, I don't know, maybe, Maybe earlier than that, but but definitely not, probably not 86. I wish I could say it was, um, but uh, probably 87 or 88, somewhere in there. Uh, now, 19, now, again, these are things that are just starting, you know, so it's not like you saw Thrash and you're like, oh my gosh, skating is a huge thing. It wasn't like that. But Thrash was that movie, you know, we had Breakin' and Beat Street, right, for breakdancing. Um, we had Rad for, you know, BMX freestyle and racing and stuff like that. Uh, and then of course, you know, there's a slew of ninja movies, the ones that I most closely associate the ninja thing, uh, with the ninja fad, let's say is the enter the ninja, uh, the trilogy, you know, revenge of the ninja. And of course, ninja three, uh, the domination. Uh, so this was that movie. This was the movie for the fad, you know, thrashing was the movie that, that introduced, you know, there, I'm sure there were, I know there were people skateboarding before that, but this is the one that took it, you know, kind of mainstream, right? Um, so the following year was uh, this special, and ESPN was airing this special, and it was called the Vision Sports Rock and Roll Jam, and it was a uh, a tournament, a contest, 
put on by uh, ESPN and uh, uh, sponsored by Vision. Of course, if you know Vision Streetwear, um, you know, skate clothes. And Vision had a line of skate uh, boards, and there were tons of the sponsored skaters. Welcome to Vision Sports Rock and Roll Jam, the U.S. Skateboard Championship. I'm Richard Blade. We're here at the Anaheim Convention Center near Disneyland, California, to bring you an adventure land of a different sort, a monster half-pipe ramp populated with some of the world's top athletes who just happen to be riding skateboards. Uh, anyway, there was a half-hour version of the special and then a one-hour version. The half-hour just showed highlights of the skateboard competition. It was a half-pipe, an indoor half-pipe, and... and um, they would, you know, do obviously do skateboard tricks and things like that. But the hour long one had all these little, uh, like extra bonus things that they had filmed. Like there was an interview with Tony Hawk and Tony Hawk is so young, uh, in this clip, you know, he's like a, a little kid. Uh, he, in fact, he said he just got a car, so he would have been about 16. I'm guessing, um, there were, uh, you know, several other little, little clips that were in there. And I knew that, you know, I had seen the half hour one. I saw the hour one that was going to be on. And so I set my VCR and I recorded it. I still have that tape. Uh, I mean, it was a huge deal. I watched it over and over, you know, trying to just watching these moves. I mean, this was the first, um, you know, big half pipe competition that I had ever seen. And there was another one that was on uh, ESPN called the OP it was like the OP championship or something like that. Um, and, and it had Christian Hosoy. It had um, Mike McGill, who everybody, I think, that's into skateboarding has heard the McTwist. Uh, the McTwist was invented by McGill, uh, named after him. It was a 540, you know, rotation, a turn and a half. It was a, a big deal at the time. In fact, uh, you know, they, the announcers on the OP championship keep talking. They're like, will somebody do a McTwist? We don't know, you know. And, um, you know, eventually uh, Mike McGill does one and Christian Hosoy also pulls off a McTwist and they look terrible. I mean, they're not like, um, you know, how people do them now on McTwist. I mean, I'm sure it's a difficult trick, uh, but, you know, at then it was like an impossible trick. Like it was a super exciting thing if someone pulled off a McTwist. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, um, taped that. I taped both of those. I still have both of those on tape. Uh, and watched them uh, just, you know, over and over. Um, the same year, uh, in 1987, was the fourth Police Academy movie, Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol. Uh, a lot of people say it's a horrible movie. Um, I don't agree with that. I think it's an okay movie, but it's, you know, probably the Police Academy <laughs> movie that I watched the most as a kid. Uh, and the plot is that uh, the uh, police academy is going to start taking regular citizens and letting them uh, apply, you know, and they're going to be uh, citizens and they're going to work with uh, the police department. And so you had some of the original police academy uh, stars, you know, yeah, Steve Gutenberg was back and, and um, Michael Winslow was there, but then you had um, uh, these different new people that showed up. Uh, two of the people that uh, joined uh, the uh, Citizens on Patrol program were these two skaters named Kyle and Arnie. 
And if you haven't seen it, Kyle is played by David Spade. It's one of his earliest roles. And Arnie is played by Brian Backer, who you might not recognize the name, but uh, Brian also played Mark Rat Ratner in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was the kid with the, you know, the geeky guy that uh, uh, wanted to hook up with uh, Stacy, you know, uh, the guy with the, the black curly hair that worked at the movie theater. So, um, uh, I had recorded, uh, so there, there's a, uh, um, a scene, <laughs> one of my favorite lines is when the, uh, the police pull up, the guys are sitting there with their skateboards and, uh, one of the officers says, didn't I tell you, you know, no skating in my district or whatever. And then, uh, David Spade says, this isn't skateboards, Sergeant. This is carrying skateboards. And then they drive off and he says, this is skateboarding. Hey, Arnie, Kyle. Thought I told you guys no skateboarding in my district. This isn't skateboarding, Sergeant. This is carrying skateboards. This is skateboarding. And then you, we retreated to a, um, oh, two-minute skate montage. And, and it's very obviously not uh, David Spade or um, Brian Backer skating. In fact, uh, the guy that plays that, well, both of them have been replaced by skaters who are much skinnier and much taller <laughs> than those two actors. And, uh, you know, once you know who these people are, it's really obvious that the guy that's playing Kyle has been replaced by... Uh, Tony Hawk. And I think um, the guy that plays uh, Arnie, I think it was uh, Lance Mountain. But anyway, it's all Steve Caballero. It's all professional skateboarders. Um, and so I had Citizens on Patrol on tape. I taped it off of HBO, but I taped over everything up until that scene and everything after that scene I, I recorded over. Uh, I just kept that scene. And, and again, uh, you know, you just watch it because they're doing all these tricks, you know, that, um, uh, that I would find out very soon were very difficult to do. They make it look easy. Uh, but, but skateboarding was not, not easy, you know? Uh, so right around this time is when I got my first real, uh, skateboard. I mean, a modern eighties type skateboard. If you're familiar with the eighties, this was, we, you know, we would call it the, either the the whale tail or the fishbone uh, style, you know, the rounded nose in the front, and then you had the big flat, uh, you know, squared off tail in the back. Um, of course, if you were a poser like I was, you had all these plastic guards. You had your nose guard on the front, a tail guard on the back, and, and these little plastic, you know, guardrails underneath to keep you from, uh, you know, you didn't want to damage your skateboard at all, but gosh, golly, you know, you wouldn't want to scrape it up. <laughs> <laughs> that was the the sign of a a, a true uh, a newbie skater. You know, you'd have all these plastic uh, uh, little guards screwed into everything. Um, but I had a Veriflex skateboard, which, again, if you're not familiar with uh, skateboarding from the 80s, Veriflex was the brand that was sold at Walmart. Uh, and so it was not a cool uh, skateboard to own. I think uh, mine had a, a picture of the Grim Reaper or something on the bottom. It was not cool. Uh, but I, I, you know, it was the first one I had. And, and the thing was, is that, um, when you buy cheap things like this, like a cheap skateboard, you know, the bearings and the wheels aren't very good. The, the wood is, is, uh, thicker and heavier, you know, so you can't do as many tricks. The trucks, uh, are, you know, heavier 
and uh, more difficult to do tricks. So uh, it was pretty difficult to be a good skater with a Veriflex skateboard. Plus, everybody saw that you had a you know Veriflex, and, and they wouldn't uh, take you very seriously. But I met another kid at school, a kid named Matt, and he had a Nash skateboard, which wasn't a great brand, but it was better than Veriflex. And uh, I think, I don't remember how I got the money, but uh, maybe my parents gave me the money or something. But I bought uh, his Nash skateboard, and it wasn't really the same. Uh, there were there were two kinds of, or two shapes, I should say, of skateboards. There was the, the whale tail, which was, you know, had the round nose, and then it kind of came in in the middle and then flared back out for the back. And then there were what we called the bullet shapes, you know, and this was a bullet. It was just flat and straight on the sides. And then the, the front, you know, came to a point and it was, it was, uh, uh, one of those. And I think it had some of those plastic guards and stuff. So I took all the plastic guards off of this one. Uh, I, I painted stripes on the bottom, uh, cause I thought it would be cool. <laughs> um, it didn't look very cool, but, uh, I did it anyway. Uh, but, um, so, so I started skating with this, uh, Nash and again, it just wasn't very good. You know, it wasn't, um, it was difficult to do these tricks that I saw on the movies and, and people doing because, uh, it was just so heavy It you know, just wasn't a good skateboard. So, um, this, I, I saw this kid in my neighborhood. He was an older kid. He was like my friend's older brother. And he had the first, like, like name brand, like professional type skateboard. It was a Neil Blender. Uh, Neil Blender is a, a, was a skater at the time. And this, the skateboard was hot pink. And then it had, um, blue grip tape on the, on the top, you know, and, um, it was, it was scuffed up. Like the back was, was ground down. The tail was ground down from doing tricks and stuff. But I mean, it looked like, you know, first of all, it, it felt like what the big boys were, were riding. You know, it didn't feel like those cheap, you know, junky skateboards that I had. It, it felt like this felt like the real deal. And, um, I ended up buying it from him. I think I paid 40 or $50. And by the way, I just went on eBay before I started recording uh, because I always get uh, sentimental and nostalgic about uh, the topics that I podcast about. And I went online and uh, I found Neil Blender decks everywhere from 200 to $600. So, <laughs> And none of them were the pink color I own. So it seems not very likely that I'll, I'll own one. But uh, that's too bad because I this was the skateboard that, I mean, really started getting me into skating. Like I would go do tricks, you know, and... and um, I'm, I'm overselling myself. I wasn't doing a lot of tricks at this time, you know, but, um, but I felt like I could, like all of a sudden I could go fast. Like those other skateboards, you would push and push and push. And then the minute you quit pushing, it would just start slowing down. You know, you had those crappy, um, bearings that, that the wheels wouldn't roll like, like a real skateboard, you know, you could just hold it in your hand and, and hit the wheel and it would just spin go for a long time but those crappy like the veriflex one you'd spin the wheel and it'd just go around about four times like and it wouldn't make any noise <laughs> so that's that's um you know when you knew that you had a crappy uh skateboard but this was a good skateboard man this neil blender and so um after i got that uh my friends and i started skating so uh i had um two groups of friends well one was one friend and one was two friends uh but for whatever reason those friends didn't hang out together. So one was Lewis. And, and one reason 
that Lewis and I hung out together was because we both had motorcycles at the time. So we were 14. And uh, you could put the skateboard sideways uh, or even long ways on the back of your motorcycle. And then you could sit on the wood part on top of the seat. And then you could ride your motorcycle and take your skateboard places. So uh, Lewis and I would go around. Uh, Lewis lived in a, a trailer park, and uh, they had the, these curbs that weren't like a normal curb. It was like all the curbs were at a 45-degree angle. Um, so if you skated real fast and then hit the curb, it kind of worked like a little tiny ramp. Um, but also, you could go, and then you could like kind of slide. <laughs> um, not like a great trick, but if you did it just right, the metal on the bottom of your truck would grind on the... Uh, uh, on the concrete on that little edge and you would see a little spark, you know? Uh, so that was a big trick for us. But so Lewis and I, um, would, uh, you know, get our skateboards and get our motorcycles and we would go, uh, try to, you know, find these places <laughs> in, um, Lewis's neighborhood. There was this girl, uh, I think everybody knows a girl who was named red. Uh, I know, I've known two girls in my life whose name were red because they had red hair and people call them red. Uh, this girl's name was, uh, Carrie, I think, but Carrie lived in the uh, same mobile home park that Lewis lived in. And then, and then she was friends with a girl named Gail and uh, Gail was like, she had a vision skateboard and she had the cool skater haircut. I can't remember ever seeing Gail skateboard. I'm not saying she couldn't. I don't remember. Um, it, it's possible, but I, but she had the best skateboard of anybody I knew, um, in fact, here is a small world fact. Gail works for the One Up Arcade uh, in Denver, and which is, you know, 10-hour drive from here. So I don't know how she ended up in Denver. Uh, and I have been to the One Up Arcade and just never run into her. I would love to uh, run into her. And I guess the One Up in Denver just opened a new location, and I think she's a bartender at the new location. So if you're in Denver and you go to the One Up Arcade, uh, go track down Gail and tell her that uh, Rob O'Hara from Yukon, Oklahoma, was talking about her for close to no reason uh, <laughs> on his podcast and ask her about her vision uh, skateboard that she owned. Um, but anyway, Lewis and I, when we weren't skateboarding in the uh, the trailer park, we would uh, ride around on, on our motorcycles and look for places to skate. And there was this neighborhood that was like... It was a newer neighborhood, and we went there one time, and Lewis, through these trees, saw this little drainage ditch. I mean, it was small. It was probably like, I don't know. Like, if if, it, if you were standing in the middle of it, the sides only came up to your waist, you know? So it wasn't like a giant uh, drainage ditch or anything. But it was smooth, and it it ran for a long way. And so we would park our motorcycles and then sneak through those trees and take our skateboards down there and, and go skate that little thing. And um uh, and, and so that was a, a thing, uh, during the skateboard time was, um, uh, having, you know, your little skate spot. I'm going to talk a little bit more about skate spots, uh, here in a few minutes, but that was a skate spot that Lewis and I found was this little ditch. Um, so when I wasn't skating with Lewis, I was skating with my friends, Jeff and Andy, and I've talked about Jeff and Andy on this podcast. I'm still friends with Jeff and Andy to this day. Uh, I've talked to both of those people this week. Uh, so Jeff and I, uh, and Andy and I, Jeff and I met, uh, in seventh grade and Andy and I met when we were four years old. 
And both of them had a Commodore 64 before I did. Uh, and then I got a Commodore. So we were all kind of Commodore guys. We were all, we later on, we all got cars that were similar. I mean, we've been friends forever. And uh, I feel like I got into skateboarding and I kind of dragged them in with me. Um, Jeff specifically, like, I don't think Jeff was ever that thrilled with skateboarding, you know, but, um, you know, when there's three guys and two of them want to skateboard, then, you know, I, I guess you got to be the third guy and, and go skateboarding. So, um, you know, looking back, I don't know that he loved skateboarding necessarily, but, um, you know, when you're kids, I mean, we, we all just liked hanging out and skateboarding was something we did. So I, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like, uh, uh, he was, you know, with us against his will. <laughs> I don't mean that at all. We all hung out. We all had a good time. Uh, it's just like, I don't think like if, if the three of us were sitting there, I don't think Jeff would be the one to say, Hey, let's go skateboarding. Um, Andy might say that I would definitely say that. Um, so we would go to Jeff's house and we would skateboard in his driveway. Um, you know, later on we had, uh, like I said, when we all had cars, we would go, you know, to a place together and go skate. Um, now Jeff and Andy were both really good at building things. Jeff, uh, is one of the, the smartest, uh, electrical guys, like, you know, soldering things and, and wiring up stuff to this day. And Andy has gone on to become just a, an excellent woodworker. Uh, so I remember one time, you know, we had seen, uh, these people that were building what we called launch ramps, which was just a, a little ramp that would be, you know, maybe a couple of feet tall and you would skate really fast at it. And then it would shoot you up in the air and you could do a trick. Right. And so, um, one time Jeff and Andy built a launch ramp and for some reason I, I was going to be the guinea pig, you know? So this, this ramp, I guess the real launch ramps kind of had a curve to them, but our ramp was just at a 45 degree angle and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to land safely <laughs> jumping off this ramp. So, um, so we put it in Andy's driveway, but we put it on the edge where I would jump up in the air and then land in, uh, the grass, but we put it where the drop off for the ditch was by the driveway. So even if you were to just ride off, you would drop like two feet, but now this ramp is, um, you know, two feet tall, three feet tall. I don't know. Uh, but it was a, a drop, you know? And so I got down near the, you know, went down a couple driveways and I just started going as fast as I could. And, um, hit this launch ramp and I feel like I shot like five feet in the year, which is now 10 feet <laughs> higher than the yard. I don't know how, how high it was, but I remember I landed hard and, um, I don't think we used the launch ramp too many times, uh, after that. Now, um, speaking of ramps, there was a kid in my neighborhood. Actually, there was a, well, there was a kid named Jason, uh, but, there was another kid named Bobby who we were not friends with. I don't even know him really. I just know his name. His name was Bobby hood. Um, but, um, he had a, uh, a quarter pipe. So a half pipe, you know, is, is a ramp on each end. It's half, you know, half of a circle. Um, but, uh, a quarter pipe would just be one end of that. So you would have to, you know, have some sort of straight, you know, launch area where you would skate towards this or ride a bike to it. And then you would go up in the air, come around and then come back down. So Jason, who lived uh, on the next block over from me, bought Bobby Hood's quarter pipe and uh, moved it to his driveway. So uh, it was the quarter pipe was 
in his driveway up against one of the garage doors, like the side of the garage. So to get enough speed to go up the quarter pipe, you had to start on the neighbor's uh, driveway across the street. So you would go all the way across the street to their garage door, and then you would get on your skateboard and make sure there were no cars coming, and then you would just be like, push, 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 and then, you know, get to the end of the driveway, and then push, push, push across the street, and then push, 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 push up his driveway, and then right before you got there, you'd put your feet on. Uh, and then we would normally go up, you know, about th- three feet. I don't mean three feet above the top. I just mean three feet total. Go up there and uh, turn around and come back down. Now, like, we didn't even, you know, get in the air. We were just basically doing kick turns. Um, but we felt like th- this was this was big time now. Now we had a ramp to go to, you know. Um, here is a, <laughs> I just had this memory. Here is a You Don't Know Flag exclusive. Um <laughs> When I was, uh, I don't know, maybe 15, you know how kids are like, I'm going to run away. I'm, I'm out of here. You know, uh, there was one, I don't even remember what I was mad about, but uh, one night I was like, oh, I'm leaving, you know, and uh, I snuck out of my bedroom. This is like one in the morning and uh, I went walking and uh, this must have been in the summer, you know, because it wasn't cold or anything. And uh, so I went walking and I had no destination. I, I assumed I would see other people, but there wasn't anybody else in my neighborhood out. And I got as far as that quarter pipe and I ended up going behind the quarter pipe and then underneath it because it was all hollow. And I slept there for like two hours. <laughs> I just sat under the stupid skateboard ramp uh, for like two hours and stayed there. And then when I was, uh, you know, then I woke up and I was cold and I went back home. So nobody ever knows. Nobody ever knew that I ran away for two hours. But there you go. Now, you know, <laughs> I ran away and lived under a skate ramp. <laughs> I didn't have a, didn't have a great plan uh, there. Uh, so anyway, um, you know, it was, uh, Lewis and I would go skateboarding sometimes after school and this and that. And then on the weekends, you know, I hung out with Jeff and Andy and we would go skateboarding and stuff. Um, so this just kind of became, uh, like all, all I wanted to do, you know, um, I could do really basic tricks. Like I could, you know, we call them wheelies. Now they call them manuals, but just going around on, uh, you know, two of the wheels coasting around. And, um, uh, and then we learned how to boneless, which is, um, it's kind of like an Ollie, but it's, it's kind of cheating. It's where you go, you ride on your skateboard and then, um, you know, you grab this, you bend down, you grab the skateboard with one hand, you leave, your back foot on the skateboard and then you put your other foot on the ground and you jump up. And then before the skateboard hits the ground again, you get your foot back on the board. So it's just a way to, to jump over things or jump up, you know, uh, if you're good at it, it looks really cool. And I'm sure it looks really dumb <laughs> the way that we were doing it, but who cares? Um, and then we would learn and we'd learned uh, acid drops, which was the next thing, which was literally just jumping off of things and landing on your skateboard. So you would, climb up on a box and then you would jump and then land on the skateboard, you know, uh, acid drops were really easy if you landed on the grass, which was mostly what we did because the board wouldn't zoom out from underneath you, you know? Uh, but the one thing that, I mean, the, the, what separated the men from the boys, if you will, was ollies. You had to learn how to ollie. And so, uh, I'm assuming if you've got this far into a podcast about skateboarding, you know what ollies are, but ollie is, um, a move where, you're riding with the skateboard, and this doesn't involve your hands at all. 
Uh, you crouch down and then you jump up into the air. But as you're jumping, you push really hard with your back foot down, which flicks the board up into the air. Uh, and then you kind of, sh- you know, you shift your feet so that the board levels out and then uh, you come down. So it's, you know, it looks like magic. It's a way to jump over things without using your hands. That's an ollie. Uh, and um, I to learn, I mean, I don't know how long it took me to ollie. But it took a long, I mean, we're talking months, like six months or so. I mean, it took me forever uh, to learn how to ollie. And then the thing is, is that once you learn how to do it, you realize you're doing it wrong. Like I did the, I had really bad form. I would, uh, instead of leaving my foot flat on the back, I would, I would sit on the ball of my foot on the edge. So every time I ollied, the board would turn 90 degrees. And so it would come down, the board would be sideways. Uh, and then I would just fall off. So, you know, it took me six months to learn how to do it. And then another six months, probably or less, uh, to learn how to, to undo my bad habits and learn how to do it, you know, the right way. But, um, man, I would, uh, I would ollie, I mean, just incessantly. I mean, just go up and down, ollie, 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 you know, fall off, fall off, fall off. And then the thing became like, you'd have your friends watch you and, um, uh, you know, you'd all, you'd be like, did I get in the air that time? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. You, you got at least an inch of air. Oh my gosh. I all ate an inch, you know, and you'd, what was that? Ah, uh, that was like three fourths of an inch. You know, I'm not sure the wheels came off now in the skateboard videos we're watching. These guys would all, like, there's a, a scene in thrashing where they're, they're skating down um, Hollywood Boulevard and there's a, a homeless person sleeping on the street and they all over this guy. And in the skateboard video I had uh, that I'll talk about in a minute, um, there's a guy that ollies up onto the hood of a car, uh, you know, which is like a two-foot jump, maybe more. Uh, and here we are, you know, my friends and I, like one would lay on the ground, not to jump over him because we would crush their head, but just to lay there to to try to, you know, to be a judge, to be like, oh, no, you... I'm pretty sure you were, that was a good inch <laughs> in the air, you know? Uh, so we, we weren't very good at ollieing, but man, we tried and tried and tried. Eventually I did get good at, uh, doing ollies, but, uh, that, that came later. So the following year in the Christmas of 88, I got, uh, my first new skateboard. I'd been riding that Neil Blender all this time and, um, uh, you know, chunks of wood were falling off it. I mean, it was starting to, to get really worn out. It wasn't in great shape when I got it and I, I wrote it hard, but, uh, I got a Fred Smith three, uh, Fred Smith was a skater. This, the model was a three Fred Smith three. This was made by Alva. Um, so at the time you would, uh, go in the back of skateboard magazines and you could order a skateboard for a hundred dollars or so. And, uh, and there were little check boxes. You would put, um, you know, what kind of deck did you want? What kind of wheels did you want? What kind of trucks did you want? The trucks are the, I'm assuming here, but uh, it's the metal thing, the metal things that um, uh, bolt to the bottom and hold the wheels. That's the trucks. So you would pick which brand of each of these things. And of course, you know, you had to have the coolest brand. You know, my wheels, I got slime ball wheels, which I thought were really cool. And tracker trucks, you had to have track, tracker or indie. Those were, um, big brands of trucks and it was a hundred dollars. So you, you checked off all the boxes. You got a, your parents to write a check. You put in an envelope mailed away. I think I probably, I, I remember having it before Christmas. So maybe my parents let me order it a few weeks before Christmas uh, because you didn't know how long it would take. Um, 
But uh, that year, uh, so we had we had a rule on Christmas, and this is the really the first Christmas tie-in of this episode. We had a rule where on Christmas every year uh, after we opened our gifts and then we would chill out for a little bit, then we would go over to my grandma's house and go see her for Christmas. And my parents didn't want, I mean, my mom, it was because it was my mom's mom, but my parents didn't want us taking all of our Christmas gifts over there because then you'd just be playing. So the rule was you could take one Christmas gift. And I took my skateboard and my sister got a camera, like an instant camera. My sister's three years younger than I am. So if this is 1988, uh, I would have been 15. My sister would have been 12. And we went over there. And we went out in the street in front of my grandma's house. And uh, my sister said she was going to take a couple pictures of me skateboarding. So I have those two pictures that she took. On the first one, uh, I'm, I'm kind of coming at her, coming down the street. And I have just done a boneless uh, up in the air. But the thing is, I don't know if it's an illusion because the way the street is or or either that or this is the highest I ever jumped in my entire life doing a boneless. But it looks like I'm four feet up in the air. I mean, it's just it's an amazing picture. It's, it's one of I mean, uh, with the other one, the two coolest pictures of me and the other one. I uh, I don't remember if I was doing a, I mean, I had to be doing a bonus because I'm so high in the air, but she stood on the side of the street and I came by her and I must have done a bonus and I am literally like way up in the air. And um, if you look at these, I mean, they're so cool. <laughs> like I show pictures, like I show these to my kids. They're like, oh my gosh, you know how to skateboard. I'm like, exactly. I'm sure I didn't, I was not this cool. <laughs> But these two pictures, and what are the odds that a 12-year-old with an instant camera took two pictures of a, a an older kid who was moving, like skateboarding and moving and jumping, managed to time it where they're not blurry? I mean, they and they had to be taken at the exact moment where I was the highest up in the air. I mean, they're really amazing pictures, um, and I love them. Like, I like looking at those pictures, and uh, I don't know. They're just really cool. <laughs> I love those pictures. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, for the Christmas of 88. That is a, a huge memory of mine is taking that skateboard to my grandma's house and uh, skating in front of her house. Now, um, my buddies, uh, Jeff and Andy, that I was talking about, Jeff and Andy's, uh, they both had younger sisters that played on the same softball team. And so occasionally they would go to softball tournaments and, uh, like out of town, like they might go to Tulsa or something like that. And, um, so I went along one time and I, for whatever reason, I didn't want to take my good skateboard. Maybe I didn't have my Fred Smith one yet. Uh, but I know that I didn't want to take that Neil blender. So I took the Nash skateboard, which was that crappy, you know, really heavy skateboard I had. It wasn't my main skateboard at this point, but for whatever reason, I didn't want to take my good one. Uh, and so we went, we were hanging out in the, the uh, hotel parking lot one night, and we see these guys come up, and they're skateboarding, you know. And uh, they come over, and they start talking to us, and they're like, oh, what kind of decks do you have? And I and we show them, and we're embarrassed. You know, Jeff has this. He had my old Veriflex at this point, and I had, um, you know, this this Nash or whatever. And I was like, yeah, it kind of sucks. You can't do any tricks. And, his, and the guy says, well, let me see it. And um, he... Uh, 
I mean, he took that skateboard and he ollied over a parking block and he'd grind. I mean, he did all these tricks that I was on my crappy skateboard. It was one of two times uh, in in my life. The other time was uh, I had this guitar that I thought was really crappy and a guy came over to my house and picked it up and just started noodling around and it was amazing. And I had told myself that the reason I couldn't play guitar was because that guitar sucked. And at that time I had told myself that the reason I wasn't good at skateboarding was because uh, that skateboard. And you know, there is something to be said about having good quality equipment. I'll give you that. But in both of those cases, people came and blew me away on the crappy things that I owned, you know, uh, I'll never forget that guy on that skateboard. Cause I didn't think that skateboard could do that stuff, you know? Um, but, uh, anyway, so, you know, 1988, again, we have that Christmas memory. 1988 was the same year that uh, Skater Die was released on the Commodore 64. Uh, I did a Sprite Castle episode. I think it's episode uh, 33. Just looked here. Um, you know, so so skateboarding is becoming more and more popular. It's, uh, you know, you're starting to hear about it more. You're starting to see about it more. Um I remember in 88 or 89, my town got its first big lots, which uh, if you don't have big lots, it is a, um, a discount department store. And, uh, they had all these, uh, like VHS tapes that you could get for, you know, five bucks or whatever. And I got this skateboarding VHS tape and I would watch that. Um, and, um, I mean, it was, it was cool. You know, again, it was a lot of the same skaters and you were seeing them uh, progress, you know, I mean, in the old, the OP, uh, the old video I had seen, they weren't very good. Now they're even better. They're, they're continuing to get better, you know? Um, but 89, I mean, was a big year for me. That was, um, I think I started subscribing to, um, uh, thrashing magazine in 89. I remember buying copies of a magazine called club homeboy, um, I bought Converse shoes. I had vision streetwear shoes. Um, when I went back to school in 89, uh, I asked my mom to buy me a, uh, ocean Pacific button down shirt that had this, uh, uh, like a pink, uh, it was a white button down shirt with a pink and blue skateboarder <laughs> on the back. I would, I would totally rock that shirt today if I had that. Um, but I mean, it was like, uh, all like all encompassing parts of my life. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to dress like a skater. I wanted to go skating. Um, I wanted to listen to music of uh, skating. My friend Lewis had introduced me to the violent films. Uh, and so I started listening to them. Uh, we would, he had this, uh, a boom box and we would put it out, uh, when we would skate around the, uh, uh, the mobile home, you know, the trailer part. Um, I started listening to uh, minor threat and, um, DRI was a big one. And, um, there was one song called a uh, deeper shade of soul. This was, uh, I don't know, 89, maybe, maybe 90. Um, and it was a, uh, it was one of the first bands that was like, it was like a crossover band. Like they had a DJ and stuff, but they also had, uh, drums and a regular guitar and a bass player. And they performed this song in a pool while guys were skating in the pool.
thing, I've talked about this song before, but uh, what I like about this song is it's like like the bass player is black. Um, I think the, the vocalist is black. The guitar player is white. The drummer is white. Um, you know, the skateboarders are all, and, and it was this thing, it was just this moment where, uh, it was like partially music and partially skateboarding. Um, but it was this combination of things where like, not like people's race didn't matter. I mean, not in skateboarding now, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure there were people that were discriminated against and, and I, I'm not trying to belittle that at all, but I'm saying from my point of view and from a lot of people's point of views, um, you know, if you, like, if we went out and you wanted to skate, you could skate, like we could all skate. Um, you know, if we wanted to listen to, to cool music, then you could listen to cool music. You know what I mean? It was just this thing where, um, everybody, you know, it kind of just brought people together. So that, that was my takeaway from, uh, uh, deeper shade of soul. And I, uh, the, the band was, uh, urban dance squad. And I think they have two albums and, um, the second one's not as good as the first. <laughs> and I only recently got the albums. I, for a long time, I just had the single, but, uh, yeah, deeper shade of soul, uh, was definitely a, a skate jam of mine. Um, <clears throat> now during all this time, you know, we skated Jeff's driveway. I skated my neighborhood and stuff. But on these videos, uh, they would show skate spots and then they would say things like undisclosed location. <laughs> like it was a secret. Like if you got a good skate spot, you didn't tell anybody. You know, it was your little thing. You and your friends would go there. And that's like what Lewis and I had was that that ditch, you know, that only he and I were the only people that seemed to know about this little ditch. And we didn't tell anybody, you know, we didn't want it getting popular and having people run off and stuff. So, so just he and I knew about that ditch. Um, there was a, a, a convenience store near my house that had, um, over on the side. So you weren't in the way of customers. It had like a, uh, Oh, a curb. And then there was like a little ramp, like for like a handicap uh, wheelchair access, you know, ramp and something else. And I would go up there. I would uh, either ride the skateboard up there or ride my motorcycle up there or bike uh, and skate that little area. And they never, they never ran me off. I didn't bother anybody. I would usually go in and buy, I know how the world works. I would go in and buy a, uh, a Coke and some candy and, and, you know, say hi to the people. And then I would go skate. So they knew I was a, uh, a paying customer, you know, um, there was also a, uh, the parking lot behind, uh, Mazio's where I worked for a while when I was 16, uh, had a little flat area and some parking, uh, you know, the little parking blocks that you could grind and jump over and stuff. And I would go there sometimes by myself, but there were all these rumors. Like that was the, the thing about skating. You know, I mean, this was, this is all pre-internet, right? So, um, you know, someone would say, well, I know a guy who knows a guy that knows where this ramp is, <laughs> you know, there would always be these, these little things like, yeah, it was a secret. Like there was a, a skate, a roller skating rink and more. And I think it was called Skateland. And there was supposedly like, if you went at a certain time when they were closed, they would let you take your skateboards there and stuff. I never, it never worked out for me. I think we went there one time and it was closed and um, nobody let us in because it was closed. Um, and, uh, but, but that's, you know, it was all these little rumors. There was one rumor, uh, that there was a amazing ditch to skate 
near 50th and Penn. It was called the 50 Pin Ditch. And everybody, nobody I knew knew exactly where it was, but everybody seemed to know somebody. Like, well, my friend, his friend took him to the 50 Pin Ditch. And it was supposed to be this legendary um, skate area. But, you know, I, I didn't find it. Well, <laughs> until years later. But, anyway. <laughs> There's a little teaser for you. Um, so, uh, one funny story is, uh, remember that Nash skateboard I was talking about, the junkie skateboard? Um, one time, uh, I was over at uh, the Roark's house, and Mitchell had this old pair of uh, Nike high tops. They were black and blue, and he was going to throw them away, and I asked him if I could have them because I had this funny idea. He said, sure. And so I took the shoes, and I nailed them, to the top of that skateboard uh, and literally put them on, you know, uh, the skateboard and used a hammer and some nails and hammered the nails through. And then underneath the skateboard, I bent the nails, uh, and I took out the shoestring. So you could just kind of slip your feet in uh, the shoes and then you could start rocking and wiggling around and get the skateboard to go. But the cool thing was you could do some amazing tricks and I remember like cars would uh, drive by and then right when they drive by, I would just jump up as high as I could. And of course the, the skateboard would come up because, you know, my shoes were nailed to it <laughs> and people would, you know, whistle or give me a thumbs up and stuff. It was a really good thing. And uh, more than once, I almost broke my neck on that stupid thing, um, you know, hitting a rock in the street and then, you know, you can't jump off the board because your feet are nailed now, you know, with enough if you had a little bit of, of, uh, I mean, I don't even think you could jump out while you're rolling, you know, uh, I didn't lace them up, but still getting your feet out in time was uh, pretty difficult. So not the best idea <laughs> I ever had, but, uh, I, I do remember riding it a few times and, and, uh, having some fun now. Um, uh, I have two stories about uh, hurting myself on my skateboard. And I did a podcast a year, year and a half ago about some of the hardest hits I ever took. And I may, I know that I've told one of these stories. Um, so I, I'm not going to belabor the stories. I'll go through them pretty quickly. But one was during my junior year. Um, I would say across the street, kind of caddy corner, maybe a couple of blocks down from my high school was a, uh, it used to be a bank and the bank went out of business. So it was a giant bank building and then all the drive throughs in a giant parking lot. And uh, my friends and I used to go there sometimes for lunch. We had an open campus. So we would go get food and we would go park at the uh, uh, bank parking lot and uh, sit over there and eat lunch. Well, we had gone over there during the winter and I always kept my skateboard in the back of my car. You never know when you're going to find a cool place to skate, right? And so we were in the bank parking lot and uh, there was a a uh, patch of ice. This is in the winter. And I went and got my skateboard and I had this amazing vision in my head, how this was going to work, that I was going to, uh, skate towards the patch of ice. And then when I got to the patch of ice, I would turn the skateboard sideways and I would skim across the ice and it would make this sound. I would go, <laughs> and then right before, and when I got to the edge of the ice, I would s spin the skateboard back uh, straight and I would ride off. Uh, and so this is what happened. I skated towards the patch of ice. I turned the skateboard sideways. When I hit the ice, I turned the skateboard and the skateboard flew in the air and I flipped over and landed on my elbow and on my head. 
Um, and it was, uh, I mean, knocked me silly. And, um, I think when I went home, I told my parents what I had done. Like, I was like, I can't move my arm. I really hurt my arm. And, um, you know, my parents' generation, they would look at it, and if it wasn't bleeding or the bone wasn't sticky through, they would say, well, you know, put some frozen peas on it and <laughs> see how it does. And um, so I ended up making a sling out of a uh, – I think I used a sock and I used um, a shoestring. And I I put the sock under my arm and I tied the shoestring in a loop and put my arm through it because I literally could not move my arm for several days. Uh, and it turned purple. It was really bad. But, uh, yeah, that was a dumb idea. And then the other story, which I know that I told on the uh, episode of The Hardest Hits, was the time that um, uh, we found a local church that had uh, established, they had built a skate park. Uh, not a skate park, but they had put some skate obstacles. Like they had a grind rail and they had a uh, some launch ramps and a giant half pipe. And they had put it in the parking lot of the church. And so the idea was that kids would come there and bring their skateboards to skate at the church. And then, of course, the people of the church would, would um, you know, talk to you and try to get you to come to their church. So it was an advertising kind of thing. So we wanted to skate that thing, but we didn't want to get talked to by the church people. So our plan was uh, that I would get uh, my friends, Jeff and Andy and Scott, and we would go there at like six in the morning on a Saturday or something. And, uh, so Noah would be there and we were going to ride that ramp. So long story short, that's what we did. We got up at six in the morning. We picked everybody up. We drove down there. There was nobody around. It was just us. And then it became, uh, you know, who was going to ride the ramp first. And, uh, I, finally, I mean, this was all my idea. So I said it would be me. And so I had never dropped in on a ramp before and I, climbed up the ramp and I got my skateboard and, uh, I mean, the edge of the ramp was eight foot in the air. It was super tall. And I remember looking down, I mean, eight foot was like looking off, you know, the roof of my house at that time. And, uh, I was terrified, but I was like, man, I can't back down in front of all my, my friends. And so I dropped in and I, I think I must've leaned too far, far forward. And I literally just fell eight foot and landed on my head. <laughs> <laughs> and I am positive I got a concussion that day. <laughs> I mean, I remember, have you ever, uh, you know, sometimes you get hurt and you immediately jump up, you freak out. You're like, oh, I'm hurt, I'm hurt. Sometimes you get hurt so bad that you just want to lay there. You don't want anybody to touch you. You don't want anything to happen. You just like, don't touch me. Uh, and that's where I was. I literally, I mean, I'm sure they thought I was dead. I just laid there. They came over. I was, you know, I was like, don't touch me. Um, <laughs> It was terrible. Uh, and then we all got in my car and we came home. Nobody else wanted to do it. I certainly didn't want to do it again. And so that was um, uh, the end of that. Now, I do have one other skate uh, memory from my senior year. There was a group of skaters that were all a year younger than me. There was a guy who um, everybody called Spock. Um, I wasn't really friends with him. There was a, a guy named uh, Scott who... I don't know that I was friends with at the time, but uh, over the years we've uh, we ended up um, running in some similar circles. And, and uh, Scott's a super cool guy, and uh, uh, actually he works uh, at the same place I work, and we see each other every now and then. And um, but there were several other people I didn't really know, and uh, I don't remember who invited me. It might have been Scott, but someone said, "Hey, 
we're going to go downtown and we're going to go skate this weekend. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah. And so they told me where they were going to meet. And, and, you know, and so I, this was like my first, the feeling was like those skate videos, like, oh, this is all, you know, famous skaters or, you know, great skaters or whatever. Obviously we weren't famous skaters, but on the video, it would be all these skaters and they would go downtown and they would just skate, you know, until the police ran them off or whatever. It was like that. It was like, I was in a group of five or six guys. We were going to go skate downtown. And, uh, so that's what we did. So we went downtown, we skated around, and then we went to um, the Skirvin, I believe, the Skirvin Plaza, which is a uh, famous hotel in downtown Oklahoma City. And they have a parking garage that is six stories high. It's like a big spiral, you know? And so we went into the parking garage. We went up to the sixth floor and we started skating our way down. And it was the most fun I've ever had skateboarding. It was absolutely a blast. It was just like like what the movies and everything else had made it seem like it was super fun. And um I remember we got down to the second floor and one of the guys who was with us asked uh if any of us had any money. There was a Coke machine in the parking garage, like a vending machine. And he asked if anybody had any money. And uh I was like, nope, don't have any change. And he walked over to it and he grabbed a skateboard by the trucks and swung it like a club and smashed the front of the Coke machine. Now, I think it was plexiglass. I don't really remember, but uh, but I knew enough to know that even if you did that, you're not going to get access to the Cokes. But he smashed that thing and everybody jumped up and either ran or skated off. I skated down the rest of the parking garage, went out, went straight to my car and came home. <laughs> and um, I don't know if that's something that those guys did all the time. I don't, I mean, I don't think so. Um, and you know, sometimes it just takes one bad apple, you know, but I was like, yep, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm not that hardcore. So <laughs> we took off and, um, uh, I just got the heck out of Dodge, you know? So that was my senior year of high school. Now this is what's funny. Uh, my freshman year of college, I have zero recollection of skateboarding. I have no memories of skateboarding. I have no, uh, I didn't dress like a skater in college. I didn't carry a skateboard. Um, so it was something, you know, that summer, uh, whatever, I must've got it out of my system. I just don't, you know, it, it wasn't, it kind of went away. Um, the, uh, you know, things, uh, other things get your interest or whatever. And it was one of those things, you know, I got into skateboarding 86, 87 and by 91, I guess it had just, um, uh, run its course, you know, now, a few years later, uh, in 1994 and 95, I worked at Best Buy and there was a guy who I would love to reconnect with someday. His name was Nathan, Nathan Simmons. And, um, uh, Nathan was, <clears throat> Nathan was that guy who somehow was just cooler than everybody else. There were a couple of guys there. Brian, who worked there, he was cool. Um, uh, Chris, uh, my buddy, uh, I think Chris goes by the jumping Mexican now. <laughs> he he's, uh, goes skydiving and stuff. But all these guys were, like, just cool people. Like, I didn't think I was cool. You know, these guys were cool. And Nathan told me one day after work that he was going to – go skate and he was working on learning how to kick flip. Now kick flip was a, um, a trick that was invented 
that was after I quit skating and kickflips were kind of like doing an ollie, but also getting the board to spin like a barrel roll, like a 360 degree barrel roll in the air and then catching it with your feet and going down. If you see someone do a kickflip, it is an amazing trick. And that kind of became what for my uh, era of skating was the ollie. Like if somebody could ollie over something, you were like, oh, okay, they're a skater. And if they couldn't, you were like, well, they're a poser. And the kickflip kind of became that trick later on, you know, like if you could do a kickflip, okay, you you were a skater. And so he said he was going to go work on his kickflip. And I said, well, you know, I used to skate a little bit. Where are you going? And he says, well, I'm going to the 50 pin ditch. This was the ditch. This was the elusive skating place that I had never been able to find. So uh, I was like, oh, I'll totally go with you. And so we went. There is a mall off of um, Northwest 50th. Uh, actually, it's off Northwest Expressway and um, and Penn. And uh, it runs by Northwest 50th. And there's a giant ditch that runs behind it. It's the 50-pin ditch. And um, we parked, and he showed me where I think we crawled under a fence or something, and we went down in there. And uh, we were at the you know the shallow end of the ditch, and he worked on kickflips. And, and I just sat there and watched, and I was like, man... I shouldn't have got out of this. I shouldn't, you know, and I, I hadn't uh, put on as much weight as I have now, but I was definitely heavier. And I asked him uh, if I could borrow his skateboard. I wanted to try just riding that ditch. And he said, sure. And I went down one time and I fell. I skinned my arm. I remember being really embarrassed. I was like, <sighs> just felt stupid, you know. Um, but uh, for a long time, that was uh, the last time I got on a skateboard, you know. Um but at least I had finally found and skated the uh, 50 pin ditch. So that same year, 1995 was the first year of the X games. Um, that was the first time other than those, those skateboard specials that had been on ESPN. This was the first time that I had seen skateboarding on regular television. I remember I was so excited. Like I was calling my friends. I would call Jeff and Andy and be like, they're showing skateboarding on regular TV. Like X games was a super rare thing. I mean, it was, it was, um, uh, it was amazing, you know? And, um, after that, skateboarding kind of became acceptable. Um, I, and I don't mean acceptable. Like, I don't think that we were, you know, treated as skating pariahs or whatever in, in high school, but um, it became mainstream. Like, uh, you know, when, when we were a kid, you, if you had a skateboard uh, and you were skating, you were a skater. You know, you were identified with that click. You were a skater. But, you know, something happened over the years where now, I mean, if kids are out with their skateboards, you don't say they're a skater. They're just skateboarding. You know what I mean? If that makes sense, it, it just became this uh, part of what people do. Um, in 99, Tony Hawk, uh, pro skater, was released for the PlayStation. Um, it just became this thing that, that people knew and people were into. You know, I'm sure the uh, the, the jocks in high school that made fun of us for skateboarding and all that stuff. All of a sudden they're playing Tony Hawk on the PlayStation, you know? Um, and, and, so yeah, by the, I mean, by the time the two thousands rolled around, skateboarding was just a, a normal thing. It wasn't this weird clicky thing that guys with uh, funny clothes and funny hairdos did. It was things that everybody did. Um, 
in, in the 2000s, there were two different skate parks that were built in my town. And both of them are free. One was built by, um, oh, what's his name? Matt Hoffman. Uh, you might know him as the Condor. He's the BMX guy. He's been on uh, some of the Jackass uh, specials. And uh, he's from Oklahoma. He built a giant skate park downtown. It's a skate and a BMX. Um, and then they built one off of Route 66, not far from my house. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have skate parks, not in Oklahoma. And all of a sudden, you know, you have these things. That, I mean, it was, it just became acceptable, you know. Um, so my son, Mason, was born at the very end of 2001. And uh, a few years, you know. I mean, they have these skate parks now and stuff, and um, uh, there was this uh, touring thing called Skate the Rat. I don't, um, I, I don't think it's active anymore, but it was, um, uh, you know, this group that toured around different cities, and they organized uh, skate competitions and stuff, and I took Mason to it, and I went, and um, uh, I mean, I was just, like, I know that I can't physically do that stuff like i can't skate anymore like that i can't you know not that i could skate <laughs> like these guys skate ever uh but i'm too old and fragile and fat to be you know skating a pool and stuff it's just not gonna happen but uh but mesa got excited about it and um afterwards he said he wanted a skateboard i was like oh my gosh you bet you know uh and I, I don't remember what the deal was, but I, I think we said, well, let's wait. So his, his birthday again is in December. And, um, so sometime after his birthday, but before Christmas, I think, and this is the second Christmas tie in for the episode. Uh, I took him to this local skate, uh, shop and, um, let him pick out a skateboard, you know, and it was just like the experience that I had. And he picked out, um, you know, the, the shape of skateboards are different now. Both ends kind of curve up, you know, and, um, uh, there's not really a front and a back per se, like there used to be, uh, both ends are kind of are similar, you know, and, um, he picked out a Tony Hawk, uh, board and, and some wheels and trucks. And while I was there, I was like, I noticed that, um, they had retro-shaped skateboards, and they had a Steve Caballero, who was one of those professional skaters I grew up watching. And, and um, you know, any move like half cab and all these moves that have the word cab in it, that's because they were coined by uh, Steve Caballero, you know. And um, so I was like, you know what? I think we're going to buy two skateboards today. <laughs> And I bought a uh, Steve Caballero deck and I bought um, some tracker trucks. And uh, I don't remember if I, if they had slime balls or if I got something else, but, um, uh, but it was an old school, you know, style looking skateboard just with all, all modern parts and stuff. Um, and I think um, we bought Mason some plastic ramps, you know, uh, I don't think kids, maybe they do, but uh, you know, they don't have to, build uh, launch ramps <laughs> like we had to do you just buy a ramp you know you just go to toys r us you're gonna well not anymore but you could go to toys r us and just buy a, a little launch ramp you know that's that's how mainstream uh, a skateboarding got you know um and you know i ended up taking mason to the skate park and letting him skate around on that stuff and and um that, that's one of the cool things about being a parent is being able to live uh vicariously through your kids you know what i mean like you uh like, I can't do that stuff anymore, but it was so much fun to watch him, uh, you know, get his first skateboard and go, you know, sit at the top of the ramp and, and roll down it real slow and, and uh, eventually learn how to 
to go up and down and and, uh, and do stuff like that, you know. Um, so skateboarding for me as an activity is, uh, you know, pretty much out the window. Um, I remember when skate, the actual game called skate came out for the Xbox 360 that used the uh, two analog sticks. Um, I, I played the crap out of that game. I love that game. Unfortunately, my 360 died, but, um, but yeah, that, uh, I played skate, of course, uh, Tony Hawk pro skater two. I ha always list that in my top five video games of all time. Uh, I, I love that game. Uh, we went to multiple Skate the Rats over the years. I, I think they did it three years in a row, maybe. And, um, you know, I can't skate like that, but um, I bought a uh, DSLR camera with a nice lens. And so I would go and I would shoot pictures, you know, and I actually sent the, I put them online. I sent the links to uh, the Skate the Guy or Skate the Rat guys, and I think they used some of the pictures. Um and uh, even when I first got uh, my drone, uh, I took Mason to the skate park and I let him skate. And I used the drone to uh, fly over the skate park and record some footage, not just to him, but all the kids skating and stuff. And so, um, you know, like I said, even though I, I, I can't do the tricks and stuff anymore, I still get joy uh, from being around it and seeing uh, the next generation uh, or two generations now, really, it seems like, um, uh, of kids uh, enjoying skateboarding, you know. So I'll leave you with one final story. Uh, I mentioned that uh, we recently moved, and uh, we moved some of our stuff. Like, I moved my computers. I moved my televisions, uh, stuff like that, right? But we hired a movie company to move all the boxes and all the furniture and all that. Uh, and it was a long day. It was um, eight hours and two moving trucks of stuff. Uh, and and Susan and I were worn out just from, you know, watching and, and helping them, you know, telling them where things go. Um, but, uh, uh, the, uh, the crew, there were four, uh, employees working. There was two, um, Hispanic guys and two black guys. And, um, I'm the type of person, like anytime there's people working, especially if they're doing work for me or whatever, I'm going to be sociable. I'm going to be talking to them. I'm going to be joking around and stuff. And, and all these guys were probably in their early to mid twenties, you know? So I'm a, solid 20 years older than them. And, um, as they start carrying in stuff, they're like, Oh my gosh, this guy's got the Nintendo. <laughs> and, um, you know, they see different things that I have and I'm talking to them and, and we're having a good time. And, uh, by the end of the day, I mean, it is an eight hour day. Um, I'm, I'm beat, man. I I've pulled this office chair out and I'm sitting in this chair in my driveway and, and I'm like, Oh, I'm ready to go. And one of the, one of the guys and, and, um, you know, this is a good lesson not to judge a book by its cover. One of the, the guys, uh, one of the black guys has got long dreads. And, um, of course throughout the day, you know, I got to know him and he was a super nice guy. And, um, uh, as they're, they're finishing up, he looks at, he's like, Oh, I didn't see these skateboards or whatever. And Mason's skateboard was there and mine was there. And he says, can I ride one? And I was like, man, if you want to, like, I, I didn't feel like I could walk my knees, my ankles hurt so bad. Um, but I was like, if you want to ride it. And he hopped on that skateboard and started going around in circles. And I was like, well, he can ride it in circles. And then he starts doing kick flips in my driveway. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, man, this kid is, uh, and I, I honestly, um, he was riding Mason's skateboard. If that one had been mine, if the, 
the modern looking one, the Tony Hawk one had been mine. I would have let that guy have it, you know, because Mason doesn't ride a skateboard anymore. And mine just hangs in the garage, you know, it's just a reminder, uh, uh, you know, good memory thing. But, uh, we talked about, uh, as you know, my wife was settling up the bill because my wife is uh, the adult of the, uh, uh, <laughs> of the family. Right. And so I start talking to this kid and, and we start talking about skateboarding and stuff. And, um, uh, like I said, that, that, um, you know, you really, you can't judge people. Like you got to get to know people. If there's a takeaway, uh, you know, from a lot of, uh, my life experiences is that, uh, uh, People have interesting stories. They have interesting backgrounds. Uh, and you, and you don't know what those things are until you talk to them, you know? And, uh, as I got to know this guy through the day, and by the end, when he jumped on that skateboard, we were just laughing. We were telling jokes and all kinds of stuff. We, we had a really good time, you know? So, um, ah, uh, it, it was a fun day. That, that was a fun little thing. And, and it kind of reminded me again of those old days of somebody jumping on my skateboard and me, being like, oh, you know, um, uh, that skateboard won't do that anymore. And then seeing someone do it, <laughs> it was, uh, it was cool. That wraps up another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any episode of You Don't Know Flack, you can email me at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodore. Like my Facebook podcast page at facebook.com forward slash robcasts. Or leave me a voicemail on the You Don't Know Flack hotline anytime, day or night, 405-486-YDKF. You Don't Know Flack is available from iTunes, my website, and Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out some of my other shows, including Sprite Castle, Multiple Sadness, and Throwback Reviews. All these shows can be found on my podcast website, which is podcast.robohara.com. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you here next time on another episode of You Don't Know Flag.